Will you turn with me in your Bibles or using your bulletins to Galatians chapter 5? Today we'll be reading verses 16 through 26. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 26. This is the word of God. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceit, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you use somebody like the Apostle Paul to speak to the Galatians at that time, but also to speak to us about this challenge that we have as Christians, as believers, helping us to understand this internal struggle and helping us also to see that there is victory in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we consider these verses, may you help us, Lord, to take them in our hearts. May you help us to learn from them. May you help us to grow in our faith. And may you help us to grow in the understanding that we have of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as we go out of this place, we will be more prepared for the things that we faced. And we pray also for anyone in this room or anywhere who is hearing this message that you will also speak to his heart, that you will also open the eyes of their hearts to see the truth of the gospel so that they also will come to faith and understand the freedom that we have in Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Apostle Paul, during this chapter in particular, has been speaking and talking to us about two challenges that we as Christians have in regard with the gospel, with the message of the gospel. 
On the one hand, is the challenge to stand firm in the freedom that has been granted to us through the power of the gospel. And we have seen how this freedom is threatened by our own thoughts and by the thoughts of others who want us to go back, either to go back to rely on our own works for salvation or to add to Christ any work of salvation. But the other challenge that we have, and this is what we studied last week, is the challenge of using this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What does that mean? It means, this means that the challenge that we have of misunderstanding the freedom that we have in Christ as if this is giving us permission to live our lives without considering how we're living before God. It's the challenge that we have of uh, not putting a fight against our flesh because we think that we have been saved by grace, which is true. That is not by our works, which is true. And then we end in a wrong conclusion that, therefore, we don't need to care about how we live before God. Um, and we don't need to fight against this uh, struggle that we have in our bodies, in our, ser- in our being, which is our flesh. Therefore, what Paul does in these verses as he continues today is to expand a little bit more on that part in the struggle and the challenge that we have with our flesh. And there are two things that I think that are uh, taught to us through these verses. One, one is Paul te- teach us about this internal conflict that all Christians have, the internal conflict, the struggle that we have between the flesh and the spirit. And also the second thing is that Paul teach, teach us about the victory that we have in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He teaches to us about the conflict that we all have, and he teaches to us about the victory that we have in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And why do we need to be taught about a conflict that we are all aware of? Well, we, we understand, we experience the conflict. We all experience the conflict. But that doesn't mean that we understand what is the root of the conflict. That doesn't mean that we understand why we have this tendency of going one direction or going to the other. So God, through Paul, is revealing to us. He's revealing to us something that you cannot conclude by yourself. Even though you can conclude by yourself, there is something wrong with me. (laughs) There is a problem. But you cannot conclude by yourself what is the, the reason, the root of this problem. And that's what Paul does uh, very clear in these verses. He describes to you that conflict. But also, he talks to you about the victory that we have over this conflict. So let us look at first the conflict that we have from these verses. Now let's skip verse 16, because there Paul is speaking more about that victory that we have over the conflict. And let us read verse 17 again. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that 
you want to do. So let us start with this simple statement. All human beings have a flesh. All human beings have a flesh. And then you will think, well, what's, what's new with that? We all have a flesh, a body. Well, and using the word flesh in the same way Paul is using it here, that is not referring to the physical body that we have, but it's referring to our sinful, fallen nature. It is true that there are some philosophies or religions that actually think that the struggle that we have is actually with our physical body. They will say our souls are good, our bodies are bad, and we are trapped in our bodies. That's wrong. Because when we talk about the flesh or our sinful nature, we're talking about our whole being, our body and our soul. Our body and our soul or spirit, which is the same, are affected by our sin or by sin. So we see that our bodies are affected by sin in the fact that we are all dying or will die at some point in life and we are all broken physically and we all get sick. This is part of our broken nature. But also our souls are affected by sin, our emotions, our intentions. All this is affected by sin. So therefore we can conclude that since Adam and Eve disobey God, all human race have a flesh or a sinful nature. The second statement will be all Christians have a flesh and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. All Christians have a flesh and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And these are also, this is a statement that might be understandable for us as Christians here in this room, but not everywhere in the world. For example, I have uh, heard by some people that, uh, and by especially some charismatic movements that I dealt with in Colombia, that not all Christians have the Holy Spirit. Just some Christians have the Holy Spirit. For example, those Christians that are able to display some uh, powers of the Holy Spirit, they will say those who can speak in tongues. So there are two classes of believers, those who have the Holy Spirit and those who don't. And that's also not biblical. The fact that you are a Christian shows that you have the Holy Spirit in you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and Christ has made you alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith is a gift that comes from God and comes to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit is in you and will be with you until you die and then until you go to God's presence. It never goes away from you because God has chosen you so you will receive the Holy Spirit and will stay with you for the rest of your life. You might wonder, what about those who say that they become a Christian and then they leave? Well, if they leave and they never come back, that shows that they never had the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, the other, the other problem that some people have is that, okay, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, that means that you have no flesh anymore. 
Recently, there is a pastor in Colombia, in the Presbyterian in Colombia, who was, was, who was expelled out from the church and also from the Presbytery because he was teaching the congregation that Christians do not sing anymore. That Christians don't have this struggle. In fact, there are some brothers and sisters, and, and actually very good theologians, that struggle believing that when Paul talks about this man that struggled with sin and flesh in Romans chapter 7, if you remember, they say this cannot be Paul talking about himself as a believer. This might be Paul talking about somebody else or Paul talking about himself before he was a Christian. But there and here, Paul is teaching us, there in Romans chapter 7, where he talks about his own experience, and here where he's talking about the experience of every Christian is that we all struggle or we all have this struggle within, which is the struggle within the, between our flesh and the Spirit of God. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the, the, the Spirit are against the flesh. They oppose to each other. There is no moment or instant in life when there is a common ground between the spirit and the flesh. That it happens that something that you are doing by the flesh is not that bad, it's actually good. And it might be something similar to what the spirit will lead you to do. The flesh, your sinful nature, is in total opposition to the work of the spirit in your life. Is against the Spirit. And when we think about that, we're saying the Spirit, we're referring to the Spirit of God, we're referring to God himself, your flesh, your sinful nature, is against God. Is in opposition to God. Not sometimes, not in some circumstances, but all the time. And the Spirit is also against the flesh, a hundred percent. The Holy Spirit is against the flesh all the time. Now think for a moment. That's the struggle that you live with every single day of your life. And here Paul says something that is important and is similar or is similar. No, it's the same words that he uses when he's, he refers to his own struggle in Romans chapter 7. He says to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You remember when Paul says, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. The struggle that he has. Now, what are the things that you want to do? You may wonder, what are the things that I want to do? Well, here Paul is referring to the things that the Holy Spirit is influencing in your heart to do. Good things. Things that please God. These are the things that you want to do. Why, the, why are these the things that you want to do? Not because they are coming from you, from the flesh. It's because they are coming from the Spirit of God. But the flesh is working in opposition to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Influenced by the Holy Spirit. Now, I could say also that it could also be the other way. Because... Your flesh want to do some things. And the Holy Spirit is working in you to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Interesting, right? 
You want to do good things because you are influenced by the Holy Spirit. And you want to do things that are against God because you are influenced and moved by your flesh. Now, this is the struggle in which all of us Christians are. We have the struggle between the flesh, our sinful nature, and the Holy Spirit working in us to move us to do two different things. What are these things? So Paul gives us two lists. One is the list of the things that the flesh wants you to do, your flesh wants you to do, and also a list of the things that the Holy Spirit is moving you to do. Paul called the things that the, your flesh wants you to do the works of the flesh in verse 19. And they are evident. They are clear, plain. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, the things like this. Poor, I'm sorry, you were going fast, right? You got me. Well, it's written there in the Word of God. But you could, you could classify all these lists in some package. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality are related to our sexuality. But idolatry and sorcery is related to idolatry. It's our relationship with God. And enmity, strife, and all the others are in relationship with how we relate to one another. And even orgies and drunkenness is how we keep our own purity. Because the word orgies can be also understood as gluttony, like eating too much. So these are the works of your flesh. Your flesh wants you every day and is working hard within you for you to bear these fruits, to do these kind of things. And some of us will be inclined to some things, others will be inclined to others, but does the 24-7 work of your flesh that you keep on doing this because your flesh wants you to be against God. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? And that's an important thing to notice. It doesn't say the fruits, plural. It's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. A theologian look at this and sees like a diamond that has different phases. It's one diamond, which is the Holy Spirit working in you and is manifested in different ways. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Some other theologians see this and say, Paul is describing the character of God. God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it's also Paul describing the character of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is God. And these are the fruits of the Spirit. Now think about this. Every day of your life, these two things are working against each other. The works of the flesh, influenced by your flesh, and the fruits of the Spirit. Now Paul says two things, one about each one of these groups. Regarding the works of the flesh, he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, it says, it's saying, I already taught you this. 
that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. One important clarification is that the word that we have translated here as do is the word prasantes and really means practice these things. So you could translate this, I warned you as I warned you before, that those who practice this or such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul is not referring to occasional falling in these sins. Because some people, again, some people have used this to mean, oh, if this person fell in this sin, he lost his salvation. And then he repented, he gained it back. And then he did something, oh, he lost it again. And he repented, he gained it back. And he's not referring to that. This is the practice of these things, which is if you live doing those things for the rest of your life, it's showing that there is no real repentance. And if there is no real repentance, you, you have to ask the question, where is the work of the Holy Spirit? There is no struggle. Something that I, I forgot to mention is that when we think about the person without Christ, all men have flesh, the difference between the believer and the non-believer is that the believer has a struggle for the rest of his life, the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. The person who is not a Christian does not have that struggle. Now, there is some kind of a struggle there. When you read in Romans chapter 2, you learn that all people have uh, the law of God written in their hearts. So their conscience is going against that. There is, a, there is some form of a struggle there. And on the other hand, God in his common grace does not allow people to do what they are capable to do. Otherwise, everybody will be killing each other. But that doesn't happen because of God's common grace. But Christians, we struggle, and, because we, and we struggle because of the work of the Holy Spirit, and therefore we do not practice such things. I remember a missionary in Bogota once said something that I read, read this week, then I figured out that he got it from there, is that somebody who lived doing these things would not want to go to heaven. Because in heaven, you cannot do those things. It has no his mind set and prepared for a, for a heavenly kingdom forever. Now, the other thing that Paul says, I said that he says two things. One in reference to the works of the flesh and the other one in reference to the fruit of the spirit. In reference to the fruit of the spirit, he says, against such things at the end of verse 23, there is no law. You remember that we read before that the whole law is fulfilling one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Previous verses. A person who loves his neighbor as himself does not have to have, does not have to follow a set of laws in order to fulfill God's love. Just need to love his neighbor. In the same way, this uh, list of fruits of the Spirit is not a list of commandments. Love, joy, peace, patience. These are commandments that you have to do. These are things that come from your heart through the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and are expressed around. Therefore, there is no law for such things. Now, that's the struggle that we have. Do you see that if you don't read this in God's Word, 
Just by guessing your, your problem, you cannot get to understand what's happening within. You know that there is a problem, that you want to do good, that you come to a, a sermon and you are convicted by what you hear, and you say, I want to do it, but then you go and the following day you don't read God's word as much as you, you don't pray as much as you, you have that struggle and you say, oh, there is a problem within. But now you understand what's the problem. And why is that important to know? It's because you all, we, we all need to know and be aware that there is this very present enemy within us that opposes God's will, that is against God. But we have also the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit within us. In fact, not just that, we are new creatures in Christ. And we also want to do God's will through the influence of the Spirit. Now, this is the conflict. What is the victory over our conflict? Well, there are four things that we can see from these verses. Uh, first, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Our ESV translation, that's a good word translating this sentence. Because you were reading other versions, something like this. Walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Like there are two commandments. Walk in the Spirit and do this. Do not gratify the commandments. Do, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. But that's not what the Greek is teaching us. The Greek is teaching us is that if you walk by, by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what he's saying is that what you need to make sure to do is that you are walking by the Spirit. That you are walking by the Spirit. And as a result of that, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. You remember there is that tension? If you are walking by the Spirit, and we're going to see in the other statements what is to walk by the Spirit, then you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, the flesh. The second thing is what we read in verse 18 that says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are no under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are no under the law. John Stott described these two verses, verse 16 and 18 as, in this way, it's the Spirit who does the leading, but we do the walking. And how do we know that? The verb in walk is an active verb. And the verb in leading or led by the Spirit is a passive verb. So the one who is doing the leading is the Holy Spirit. But we are called to do the walking. The Holy Spirit is leading us, is moving us. But we need to do the walking in the Spirit. But what is important in verse 18 is what we read here is similar to what he says in verse 23. He says, you are no under the law. Remember, against such a things there is no law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are no under the law because the Holy Spirit is the one who is leading you to bear those fruits 
and you are not bearing those fruits based on I'm just looking at this task that we have, do this and do that, or don't do this or don't do that. It doesn't mean that we should know, consider what the, the Ten Commandments is teaching us as our guide because we're going to see it later, but there is no law because it's the Holy Spirit, the one who is moving you to fulfill the law of God. So, the Holy Spirit does the leading, you do the walking. Third, verse 24, and very important. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you belong to Christ, you crucify your flesh. The picture that Paul is using here to refer to the flesh is crucifixion. And remember, crucifixion was a terrible death. The person will be hanged there on the tree or on the cross until the person was dead. And there will be soldiers there waiting until that person was dead. That there was no chance that somebody would bring the person down and cure the person and the person will survive. It was the worst death used for the worst criminals. That's how we have to treat our flesh. As a bad criminal. Remember, it's in opposition to the will of God. It's in opposition to the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. That's why it's important that we understand that it is no like a, a, a kind of nice enemy or, or, or not so bad, not so evil. It's a terrible enemy. And therefore, we are called to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires. And some commentaries will say that sometimes we want to go back to the cross and bring the man down and cure him and get him alive. Crucifying the flesh is not an easy thing to do. Because the flesh is moving us to worship some things in our life. So it means to turn down those idols that are in our life. Therefore, it's difficult. It's painful. Our flesh, at the end of the day, is part of us, part of who we are, part of our sinful nature. It's our sinful nature. Therefore, we need to crucify the flesh. Now, verse 25, which is the last thing, I think clarify a little bit more what is to walk by the Spirit. He says, if, you, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in stead with the Spirit. And I, I think here also our ESV version do a good work of translation. Because other versions translate this, let us walk with the Spirit. But the verb that we have here is not the same verb that we have in verse 16 when it says, walk by the Spirit. Keeping a step is almost like walk in line with the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who is leading you. How does the Holy Spirit lead you? It leads you from within, right? It's moving you. It's 
making you realize what are the things that you want, that he wants you to do that are honoring God. It's moving your heart to repent. It's moving your heart and your life to change and to do what God wants you to do. But also, the Spirit leads you through his word. His word is our guideline. That's why we need his word. And we walk by the Spirit by walking in a step in line with the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this passage is about recognizing that we have this word within. We go back to what Paul says in verse uh, 13. For you were called to freedom. Praise the Lord. We have been set free from the slavery of sin, from the course of the law, from the world, from the devil. Brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. We cannot lower our guard. There is a fight that we have. And it's a fight against the flesh. And it's led by the Spirit. Even when you understand that salvation by grace doesn't mean that you are free to do whatever you want. You understand that in your mind. Sometimes, sometimes within your heart, you are relaxed because, because you have been given this precious gift of salvation. That is never going to change. We never and will never earn our salvation. We never add something to our salvation. It's Christ plus nothing. Plus, but, sorry, but, we still have to make sure that we are fighting this fight, that we are not using our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, remember, God has given us ordinary means of grace to help us in this journey. His word, the preaching of his word, prayer, partaking together of the Lord's Supper. All these are ways in which God is strengthening us to give this fight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you rescue us from our brokenness, that one time in our lives we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but you made us alive together with Christ, and that you have given us the Holy Spirit as we walk through our lives in this journey of sanctification to to be transformed by you. We thank you that there are things we want to do for your glory, and we know that those things are coming from the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you help us to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to walk in line with the Spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.